Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. Now, this is a lengthy reading, and I normally uh, wouldn't read this much, uh, but I couldn't figure out where to cut it, and I'm using the NIV. It reads so easily, and there are those of you that won't know the story. I'm preaching on the subject, the unloved woman. Uh, First time in my life that I've preached a sermon that I would say is just for Mothering Sunday. When at Westminster Chapel, rightly or wrongly, (laughs) we never took notice of dates and special days. I I didn't preach one time a sermon at Westminster Chapel on mothers. Uh, But it just works out in my series on defining moments of major players in the Old Testament that I would have preached on Leah in a week or two anyway. So I just brought it forward for today. So this is a sermon for women only. All men. You can eavesdrop, but this is not for you. This is for women. Genesis 29, verse 15. Laban said to Jacob, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, well, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Jacob replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. And then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl, Billa, to his daughter, Rachel, as her maidservant. Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. 
Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one also. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to be upon every mind, that their perception of what I say will be received as you intend, and upon my tongue that I'll be cleansed, that I might be your transparent instrument to say everything you want said, nothing you don't want said. I pray that this word will be clear, simple, encouraging for that lady here today who feels unloved. And may this be a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Question. Do you believe that God has a wonderful plan for your life? Question. Do you believe that if it is God's will for you to get married, you will get married? Do you believe that God has someone in particular in mind for you? If so, will you meet and marry this person? Question. Why is it that some people get married, others do not? Is it because some are closer to God and are more loved by God? Question, why do some marriages break down? And why are some couples happier than others? Or slightly to change the subject, do you believe it is God's will that everybody should be healed? Do you believe it is God's will that every Christian should prosper in health and wealth? Well, you may have answers to these questions. I would have thought the deepest and the most mysterious subject in the Bible is that of the will of God. The will of God. How can I know the will of God? Well, the will of God is to be understood in two ways. There is what is called the revealed will of God and the secret will of God. What's the difference? 
The revealed will of God? Well, the Bible. If you want to know God's will, you find it in the Bible because everything in it, this is God's will for you. The revealed will of God. The best way to know God's will is to know this book so well that you, you can just tell what God would want you to do. And yet there are times when you need more than that. And there is the secret will of God. Now what's that? Well, who will be saved? That's part of the secret will. Should you take this job or another? Where will you be 18 months from now? God knows. His secret will. Now there are two relevant Greek words here. Logos Rhema, both translated word. And although they have their distinctive meanings, they're sometimes used interchangeably. Therefore, we don't want to push the distinction too far. But generally speaking, logos would refer to scripture, rhema to a word of knowledge, prophetic word, when you're told specifically now, understandably, we all would love as quickly as possible to get a rhema word. And we're living in a time when the rhema word has outgrown the logos in terms of popularity. We're living in a busy age. We're in a hurry. We don't want to wait. Uh, it's like people who can't uh, sit down for a long meal. They go to McDonald's or Burger King because they're in a hurry. And in a sense, the rhema word is like that. And we all would love to know, what should I do? Uh, the truth is, God does give rhema words. And uh, I could tell you, I could, I could write a long uh, blog on rhema words that have changed my life. But I've got a suspicion, if you chase after a rhema word, you'll never get it. Chase God's revealed will. Get to know this book so much, and once in a while God will give you a rhema word. All right, when it comes to the will of God, you wonder, why has this happened to me? Now, this is a very important word, and I hope it is a word that you will never forget. And as I said, this is addressed to women. And I want to focus on the possibility that there may be in this congregation an unloved woman. You feel unloved. Well, why is this word important? Well, for one thing, it shows when our plan B turns out to be God's plan A. Because here's a word that touches every life here. For example, does God have a plan A? Is there a plan B if plan A fails? Well, for example, it was God's plan A that Israel not have a king. Uh, but God let them have a king. That was plan B. He told Samuel to get them a king. Samuel did his best, got them Saul who ended in utter failure. God then chose David, a man after his own heart. David became 
plan A, even though the kingship was not in God's perfect will. Now, the most difficult issue of all is how to know the difference between God's predestined will and his permissive will. What is predestined and what is permitted? Would you like to know? Well, let me give you some advice. I think the best illustration of this is when Moses saw this burning bush and he kept looking at it and he noticed this bush on fire but the bush was there as though there was no burning. It was not consumed and the fire keeps going and Moses says, what is going on here? He says, I'm going to find out what this and he goes up to see what is happening and God says, stop. Stop. Take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. Don't come any closer. You see, Moses wanted to get close, and God will only let us get so close. And he says, Stop. The difference between what is predestined. And what is permitted is holy ground. Don't try to figure it out. Well, I want to talk today to women who may feel unloved. Maybe unloved by your father. That you've grown up never feeling accepted by your dad. I want to address a woman who may be here. You feel unloved by your husband or rejected by your husband. Maybe you were jilted by your boyfriend or maybe there's somebody at work who doesn't like you and you have to go to work and sit in this atmosphere. The unloved woman. Well, now, what I've just read, the accounts of Leah and Rachel demonstrate an interesting principle. Jesus used this phrase, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And the story of Leah and Rachel demonstrate this principle, sibling rivalry, Leah, not very pretty. We're told she had weak eyes. That is probably a Hebraic euphemism for being very plain. And Leah knows that she's not attractive. But Rachel is gorgeous, stunning. The Bible not only mentions her beauty, but mentions her figure. Two people in the Bible are described like this. Esther and Rachel. I can't wait to get to heaven to see what they look like. <laughs> but there's another reason this is an important word. And this is the part that doesn't grip us at first. Because we don't want to think of what it's going to be like after I die. I want to know now. But if you would bear with me. We're all going to die and there will be conscious existence after death, and then 
you will see how important it is that vindication comes after you die rather than before. What's vindication? Well, that's the process by which we are cleared. Our name is cleared. Do you know what it is to want to be vindicated, to prove that you didn't make a mistake, that you weren't stupid, uh, or that you hadn't uh, done this or that? Uh, It's a very painful thing when there are things out there being said about you. Not true. Not true. And you long to have your name cleared. Well, now, this story of Leah, the unloved woman, if there ever was one, She's the daughter of Laban, not a very nice man. But Jacob, we've we've seen, is not a very nice man. But if you think Jacob is a rogue, I can tell you Laban makes Jacob look like a saint. Laban was a very mean man. And he had two daughters, the oldest Leah, the younger Rachel. Leah, plain, Not the kind of woman that makes men turn their heads. Jacob was in love with his sister Rachel, a beautiful woman. Like it or not, men like to see beautiful women. That's just the way it is. Men love to see a beautiful woman, and if she's got a great figure as well, all the better. That is the way we're made. I started to say you don't outgrow this, but I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Well, Jacob agreed to work for Laban seven years just to get Rachel. But after seven years, when the marriage was consummated in a tent, Jacob woke up the next morning and there was Leah. I'm not sure how this happened. In those days, they didn't have uh, big weddings like we have today. Uh, It was just done in a tent, and that was it. And there was a feast, and I think the wine was flowing. And Laban goes to Leah and says, Come here, I want you to go into the tent. She may have said, Well, no, I can't go in there. That's that's where Rachel... Go into the tent. So she obeys her dad. And it's dark. Now, Jacob, he's been looking forward to this for years. This is his moment, honeymoon. It goes into the tent. The marriage is consummated. And the next morning, he looks across and says, what is this? There's Leah. Two questions. One, how do you think Jacob felt? More important question, How do you think Leah felt? It is something I want you to concentrate on. The unloved woman treated like she was nothing by her dad. And now she lives the rest of her life trying again and again and again and again to get her husband's affection. Leah knew that she wasn't beautiful. There are women who grow up knowing they're not beautiful, and you come to live with this. 
painful. The truth is, the pretty girls get the attention. And those that are not so pretty, my heart goes out to them. The most difficult pastoral situation I had in 25 years at Westminster Chapel was we had a lady, I would think she's in her 40s. She was German. She had muscular dystrophy. She spoke with an impediment. She walked with a limp. And she was not very pretty. And she would come into me after the Sunday night service, week after week. And just before she would leave, I can hear her now. Dr. Kendall, why can't I find a husband? And I would look at her and say, I don't know. She would get up, out she would go. A year or two after we retired, I got word that this lady went back to Germany and killed herself. Unloved. And no chance, apparently, that this would change. Well, Leah's father, Laban, showed minimal respect for her when he made Jacob marry her instead of Rachel. Laban simply explained, oh, I forgot to tell you, Jacob's crazy me, I should have told you that. It's not our custom here to let the younger girl get married first, the older gets married first. Sorry about that, should have told you. <laughs> but it's, look, i tell you what, uh, for another seven years' work, you can have Rachel. Well, Laban may well claim to have loved Leah because he put her before his daughter Rachel. You see, she didn't feel loved. And this was insensitive to her feelings He probably gave minimal, if any, attention to her feelings. Fathers can be like that. Many a father will fail at this level. They assume that their love for children merely consists in the fact that they provide for them. They forget that children have feelings and they grow up and those feelings surface and become factors in decision-making later on. And it turns out in Genesis 31 that it hit Leah and Rachel, that their father really didn't care about them. And that hurts. Well, a deal was made. Jacob would work another seven years, get Rachel. But apparently he didn't have to wait that long to marry her. Well, now Leah, the unloved woman, pretty much rejected by Laban and Jacob. And Leah felt this rejection keenly. Imagine how it must have hurt. You see, three things here. First, the way her father treated her. Second, Jacob, the way he treated her, not the slightest bit interested in her. And third, she grows up knowing she's not attractive. 
and you may feel unloved, whatever. There's one thing Leah didn't realize at the time. And there may be something if you feel unattractive and unloved and rejected that you may not feel at the time. But I can tell you now, I'll let you in on part of God's secret will. He does notice that. He knows what you are feeling. And God knew what Leah was feeling. She didn't realize that God was looking on. And so do you feel unloved? Leah had every reason to feel that way. Do you feel unloved? You see, the truth is, we are made to feel affirmed. You could make the point that the most urgent need every human being has is the desire to feel important. This is the way we're made. And so we like people to say encouraging things to us. Let me ask you a question. Have you complimented anybody today? He said, well, I'm waiting for somebody to compliment me. <laughs> Why don't you compliment them? Make another person feel good. I'm thinking of somebody who may be here for the first time. You walk into this place and you think, who here knows me? Would anybody notice me? Look around. Find that person you've never seen before. Just go up and say, it's good to meet you. I'm so glad to meet you. People love to feel affirmed. Make an attempt because you know what it's like when people don't notice you and they don't make over you. Here's an opportunity to do it. Well, we like compliments. Let it never be said that here in Kensington Temple, people come in and out and don't get noticed or affirmed. Well, now, Leah had a plan. Uh, she couldn't have known that, that uh, God was working on a plan as well. But her plan was that she thought just maybe she could win her husband. And someday he would love her. Do you feel this way? Are you trying somehow to win that person over? Maybe your spouse, somebody that you wanted their affirmation, and you're, you're just doing everything to get their attention and, and be affirmed by them. You want that love. By the way, there are three kinds of love, according to the ancient Greek language. Philia, eros, agape. Philia, brotherly love. Agape love, unselfish love. Eros, sensual, physical love. You know about the Eros statue in Piccadilly. And that's the kind of love everybody talks about. When they talk about love, that's what they mean. The irony is, the kind of love that makes a man and woman want to get married is not the love that will sustain that marriage. Elizabeth Taylor was married eight times, seven husbands, eight marriages, waiting for that one that would keep her happy 365 days a year. That's not the way it works. At some point... Agape love must come in, not to replace Eros, 
but to come alongside it. Otherwise, that marriage will fail. Well, I think Leah was so lonely and rejected, she would have taken any kind of love from Jacob. But Leah did have two things going for her. The first was she was able to have babies. And she thought that this would be the way to win her husband. And I suppose Jacob thought, well, that ought to make you happy. You're having babies. See, there was this rivalry between Leah and Rachel. Sibling rivalry. Leah, the unloved woman. Rachel, the beauty queen. And had her husband's love. But you see, behind all this, we read a very interesting verse. Verse 31, in case you noticed it. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And so rejected by her father and husband, she had one thing. She could have babies. Not very pretty, but she could bear children. Rachel, she had the beauty. She had her husband. And you could say that God compensated. What Leah didn't have, Rachel wanted so much. And I suppose Leah could go to Rachel and say, guess what? I'm pregnant. Have you got pregnant yet? <laughs> no, I'm pregnant. She has a baby. A year or two later. Guess what, Rachel? Pregnant again. How about you? Any babies lately? <laughs> no. Third baby. Rachel, I'm pregnant. So it was a way of trying to compensate because she had one thing Rachel didn't have. Leah's plan was to win Jacob by having babies. She thought this would work. It didn't. Well, when she had her first baby, she named him Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. And she said two things. One, the Lord has seen my misery. That was one thing she was certainly right about. The Lord has seen my misery. Let me pause right now. You're feeling unloved? The Lord sees that. You're feeling this misery. The Lord sees that. You're feeling horrible. The Lord sees that. We're told at the right hand of God is our Lord Jesus Christ, who's never forgotten what it was like when he was on this earth. He's touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. And so you may go to one other person and try to get some sympathy, and they might just say, oh, I don't have that problem. Leave me alone. And maybe there's not a single person that will understand what you're feeling. But at God's right hand, our great high priest, our Lord Jesus, knows what you're feeling. He sees your misery. And so that was what Leah kept saying. The Lord sees my misery. And then a second thing, she said, surely my husband will love me now. 
she was so naive. He didn't. He didn't. Then she had a second baby, named him Simeon. And she reasoned, God has done this because she knows I'm not loved. And it's so sad. Leah kept on hoping that this would turn Jacob around. Wrong. Leah had a third baby, and her response, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Sorry, Leah. This is not going to work. But it's not God's will that you get your joy from your husband's love. What? That's it. This is what I mean when our plan B becomes God's plan A. And God says, there's one thing you don't realize. You're special to me. You may not be special to Jacob, but you're special to me. Well, that was God's plan. Do you feel unloved? Leah had these two things going for her. She could have babies. But the second thing was she was special to God. You're going to say, R.T., that doesn't do it for me. So you say, I'm special to God. All I know is that I'm lonely. I'm hurting. I would like to feel love. So I'm special to God. So what? Listen to me. I understand that. I know exactly what you're feeling. But if you would bear with me, I guarantee it. The day will come when you will treasure the way God felt about you more than all the things that you missed here below. That day will come. It's only a matter of time. Well, God's plan A for Leah was that she have a relationship with him. And you see, somehow in his sovereignty, Jacob wasn't given to love Leah. And it was God's way of trying to get Leah's attention. Has it ever crossed your mind that the things that are going on in your life that make you feel miserable, that God's behind it all because he's trying to get your attention. He likes your company. He wants to have a special relationship with you. Sorry, R.T., I don't want that. I promise you the day will come. You will wish you treasured that more than anything in the world. Well, would you believe baby number four is on the way. Up to now, she kept saying, this time my husband will love me. Baby number two, this time my husband will love me. Baby number three, this time my husband will love me. But then something happened. When the fourth child was born, named Judah, Leah said, this time... I will praise the Lord. 
at last, God got her attention. And maybe you are in the darkest hour you've ever been in. And I wouldn't be surprised. There's somebody here. You are, as I speak, in the middle of the greatest trial of your life right now. I have a word for you. Call it Logos, call it Rhema. But you can go to the bank with this. God says, try praising the Lord. Jesus said, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. Guess what? God having your attention, that's his plan A. It was Leah's plan B. Her plan A was Jacob loving her, God's plan A, to have a special relationship with her. Well, here's something that you might not have thought of. Wouldn't have known in her time. Jacob wouldn't have known it. When it comes to Leah and Rachel, this rivalry, Rachel won the battle. Leah won the war. Because at the end of the day, in God's strategic plan for the future people of God, who do you suppose of the sons of Jacob would mean more to the people of Israel than any of the others all combined? Two of those babies, one, Levi, from which you get the book of Leviticus, from which you get the tribe of Levi, from which you get the priesthood, and Jesus is our great high priest. The idea of priesthood comes from Levi. If that weren't enough, baby number four, named Judah. From Judah came the great King David. But a thousand years later, when you look at the messianic genealogy, our Lord Jesus Christ comes from the tribe of Judah. The two babies of Leah turned out to be more blessing to the people of God than all the others. As we say sometimes in America, it ain't over till it's over. And so when it comes to the time that you're going to appreciate this, I can tell you, in the end, who gets vindicated it was Leah. But she had to wait. And after her death, but listen, she is alive after her death. You think death is the end. No, it's a continued existence. And you want vindication. Now, I understand that, don't we all? But the real vindication will be when it's over. God clears your name. The truth comes to light. You want it now. I understand. But if it is to be kept till then, you will be so glad you waited. And you will see that God had his hand on you. It is in his timing when to vindicate. 
So we're all going to die. And if you at this moment are unvindicated and they're saying things about you not very nice, here's a word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't understand it, but God, it's okay. I got something yesterday, an email yesterday morning. Louise knows when I got that, I was devastated. Tell you now, can't say a whole lot, but she knows. Two or three hours, I couldn't get it off my mind. One of the most hurtful emails I've ever had. It wasn't easy to praise the Lord. Didn't happen the first hour. But after a while, I thought, it's good. One day, it'll all work out just so. And if you feel rejected right now, you know what God says to you? He says, I think you're beautiful. God says, you're special to me. God says, you've got me. Will I do? Take him now and know that he knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He knows you're hurting. He sees it all. And you may lose the battle, but you can win the war. Saying, I will praise the Lord. I close. Jacob never really appreciated Leah. He should have. He couldn't have known what Levi would mean, what Judah would mean. But I think that Jacob, even old Jacob, made an effort to put things right because in Genesis chapter 49, he gives instructions where he wants to be buried. And he talks about the cave near Mamre in Canaan where Abraham had bought a burial place from Ephron. And he says there, these are the words of Jacob, there Abraham and his wife were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. Bury me there. Bury me next to Leah. A bit late, just to show all's well that ends well, and that God will have the last word. Don't worry if you lose the battle, but rejoice that you can win the war. And the most important thing is how you will feel then. I want to address the same women I've been talking to for the last 35, 40 minutes. Do you feel unloved? Is this a word for you? God knows. And I would urge you to make a vow at this moment to praise the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Start thinking of what you're thankful for. A group of psychologists came up with a, a resolution out of much research about 12 years ago. And they said, we have concluded, thankful people live longer. Be thankful. Praise Him. And one other question. And now the men can listen in. Do you know for sure if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you? And if you were to stand before God, women, men, unloved women, men, whoever you are, if you were to stand before God, and you will, and He were to ask you, He might, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And suppose it was the real thing. Now you're standing before him. Life is over. This time it's over. And you have to give an answer, and only one answer will do. You give the wrong answer, you have to go someplace else. You don't want to go there. God says, why should I let you in? Ask yourself as honestly as you know how, what would I say? Would you say, well, I've tried to do this. I was baptized. Sorry, not good enough. I've tried to live a good life. I believe you, but that won't save you. You say, well, I've done my best. You may feel hurt or insulted. If I told you, even if you've done your best, that won't save you. Well, whatever can you do? Surely you do your best. You need to know that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son into the world who did for you what you cannot do. He kept the law for you. You couldn't keep it. He did everything in your behalf. And the moment you trust his death on the cross, you transfer the trust that you had in your good works to what he did for you on the cross. You know what happens? In that moment, all that Jesus did is put to your credit as though you did it. It's called imputed righteousness. So what would you say to God? I can tell you, there's only one hope. Jesus died. Would you be willing to pray this prayer? If you've never prayed this prayer before, pray it now. Don't need to say it out loud. Don't even need to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit. As best as I know how, I give you my life.